My mom and stepfather live outside the city, and they passed through the other day, and I took them to lunch. They were on their way to JFK, uh, and there's something I didn't say to them that I wish I was really torn. I, I, I ended up not saying to them, and I'm going to talk about here. They were on their way to JFK to go to France, and for decades, they were talking about a trip to France. And they've, they've been to France before, and I think many years ago, they, they rode bikes through the wine region, one of the wine regions. And, you know, they're nearing 80, and that means talking about wills and <laughs> Swedish death cleaning. I don't, if, I don't know if you've come across the term Swedish death cleaning, but look it up. And it's what you might expect from Sweden of, you know, as you're nearing the end, cleaning stuff up so you don't leave a big mess for your, uh, your descendants. And they'd talked about France for a long time. It, you know, they, it, it occurred to them that if we don't go soon, we may never go. Bodies might give out. One of their bodies might give out. One of their minds might give out. And they might not be able to go. And so this was their chance. It was now or never in a certain, way, in a certain sense. And they could certainly enjoy it now. And they're going to enjoy it. And they've lived great lives. And, and uh, they want to do this. And they certainly have plenty more to look forward to. But, you know, a big trip like that for several months... They're going to be there for several months. That's not, it's not a little thing, and now's the time to do it. And, of course, I expect it'll be tremendously beautiful. It's the fall. I guess it'll be maybe the wine. I don't know if they're going to the wine regions now. And I've spent, I spent a year of my life in Paris as a youth, in, uh, taking a year off from college. And I spent a uh, summer in an observatory in the Pyrenees in the south of France. And I've been to various places in Europe, and it's stunningly beautiful. Even so, the world has changed since I lived there, since they made those plans, since the last time they were in Paris. Not only has the world changed, and how has the world changed? I mean, very obviously, well, last summer in Paris, it hit something like 110 degrees, 108, for an extended period of time. And the Amazon is burning. The Amazon forest, people are setting it on fire. And everyone's, it's not just fires burning it's this is like the not the last of the rainforest but it's big parts of it and we don't have a lot of rainforest left in the world and there's palm plantations in where indonesia i think uh, lots of places where this stuff is disappearing our understanding of the world has changed that in in my lifetime we've gone from you know i grew up certainly we knew about global warming and sea level rise back then certainly we knew about plastic and pollution and litter we had the the what, what's called the crying indian ad which was a, uh if you haven't seen it look it up look up crying indian ad on youtube and you'll see the video it was a public service announcement that was showing a native american walking through uh, areas that were beautiful and then coming and seeing how much we were littering and polluting and then it zooms in on his face and you see a tear coming down of what we're doing to this land and if you look at the global plastic production before that and I put, a, I put this on my blog somewhere. Up until then, all the global plastic that had ever been produced was something like we make in a month now. And that was a crying shame then. So in my lifetime, we went from looking at that kind of pollution and knowing that sea levels were rising. That was this distant thing. Maybe people were wrong. Maybe it was not really believable. To sometime later, it looking more likely. And people weren't thinking, oh, it's probably wrong, or they're way off, or, you know, that's not really the case. To people thinking, hope, hoping it was wrong. 
not expecting, but hoping. And then in more recent years, now at that point to me, it was overwhelming. It seemed clear to me. But for more people, it, it took longer for things to become overwhelming. Maybe since 2010, maybe since 2000, people were fearing that it was wrong, fearing that this was the case. But the overwhelming, the case was overwhelming. But, you know, you still look around. It's like Al Gore's flying all over the place. All the climate scientists are flying all over the place. No one's really actually doing anything about it. To now, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, there are a few people who are just like, there, there are a few skeptics putting it generously. There are a few people, I think, more like they just don't want it to be the case, so they're uh, denying. That's what it looks like to me. The evidence seems overwhelming. There's, I mean, how many once every 500 years hurricanes do you need to see that fit more the prediction of we're going to have more hurricanes? How many do you have to have before you're like, this is, this is the case? It's happening now. Go to, go to Miami Beach. Look at, look at Miami Beach flooding and see what's happening there and watch the talk of people who are like, I'm a Republican, but this is the case. I, you know, I'm not going to fight reality. So for decades, people were saying, we have to act now. If we don't act now, it'll be horrible later. There'll be a tragedy later. It's now. That later is now. We cannot keep putting off. It, I mean, we can keep putting it off and the... The, if we want to fix things, it's going to get harder and harder and harder. Now is, it's, it's, now is like we have to do everything now that we said we'd have to do, that earlier we said we'd have to do later. Or, okay, we've predicted sea level rise. It's happening. Predicted the hurricanes. They're happening. Predicted the strife over, over wars over resources. Happening. Do you know what happens next? The predictions are people dying by the hundreds of millions maybe more, if we don't act now. So that's what I'm talking about. When the world has changed, past generations, they could think, you know, I know this feeling of like, oh, that's going to be really bad. Things are going to be horrible in, say, 2050. Let's see, I'll be something like 70, 80 years old at the time. I guess I'll probably escape the worst of it. And for a while, we think, well, future generations, they'll figure out how to handle it. Here's what I didn't say to my mom and my stepfather that even in their 70s, you know, human lifetime, I mean, my, her mother, my mom's mother, my grandmother's in her 90s, but she's Alzheimer's, not really here. Still, she's got a lot of life left ahead of her, my mom and my stepfather. And I believe what I didn't have the heart to say to her, to my stepfather, I believe that she will live long enough to regret the choice to go to France. I believe that the changes are so clear and she'll live long enough that she will see that behavior that she did. Now, behavior that she did before she thought, you know, this isn't happening. Maybe it won't happen. That's gone. That era is gone. But choices made then, I think you can brush off and say, well, I kind of knew, but maybe there's there some doubt. But now, partly because she's got a son who's not flying and knows science. You know, it's a PhD in physics backing. It's a PhD in physics, which is backing this up. This is not like I'm guessing or I'm just doing it for the fun of it or there's some sort of trend this is a science this is a, a, a strong background in science looking at the scientific re- I'm not going to get into that this is like she's got a son who's drastically changed his behavior and enjoys the change and I think the writing is on the wall with we just had Dorian we, we have the rainforest burning we have the heat waves killing thousands in Europe 
and then you know not to you know the the forced the the, the desertification of huge areas in Africa and Asia it's all there and we know what's happening we know what's causing it and I believe that you know partly because she's got grandchildren I I guess I'm saying more about my mother than my stepfather it's really both of them but as you can imagine I'm a little closer to my mom the connection is too great it's too obvious for anyone to look back at any decision you made in 2019 to say I didn't know and when you see what happens from now on you will say you'll know I did things I was a party to that knowing I was a knowing participant in that in what happened helping so changing now however hard it feels however much it feels like I don't know how to get by what I won't get to see my mom I won't get to see my family I won't get that promotion I won't be able to you know all the things that you're associating with flying that's those beliefs are from a different age changing now is for your own well-being for your own peace of mind for the rest of your life because we live in a different world than when you created that bucket list. We live in a different world than when you took that job, when you chose to live far from your family or whatever it is that makes you feel compelled to fly, to heat up your apartment in the, in the, in the winter to, I don't know, 80 degrees or whatever people warm it up to. Not, instead of putting on a sweater, to cooling it off in the summer, to in the 60s, and people wearing jackets inside, to accepting that your office cools it off so much in the summer that you have to use a space heater, that you have an SUV when you do fine with most of the time a bicycle, but even when you, you know, like a much smaller car or not driving or moving to a place where you don't need to drive like that. You've read a million tips of what you can do for the environment. And if you haven't read them, you've seen the headline. Here's 10 tips that you could do. If you go right now to search, type into a search, tips for the environment. I guarantee on the first page, you'll get at least 100 tips of things that you could do. Hopefully a couple of them you've done. Most of them you haven't, especially the hard ones, the bigger ones. When you do the bigger ones, you will get a greater reward. You'll like it more. I say this from experience as someone who didn't do it and as someone who did do it. And I'm much gladder that I did do it because the world has changed. It's no longer like it was and I don't want to feel that regret of looking at what's happening after I knew what I was doing was causing it, that that's when I stopped. And that's what you have available to you. So changing now is for your own well-being. As if helping others less fortunate than yourself was not enough, we hope that that would be enough, that it would help others less fortunate. When you read that this is going to hurt poor people more, poor nations more, poor communities more, and if you're the one, if we are the ones who are flying and doing stuff, we're the ones doing that. There's, we can no longer say, oh, it might happen, it might happen, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully narrowly escape it. This twisted feeling of like, oh, I'm, I'll narrowly escape that and others will figure it out. That's gone. That is gone. Now, from now on, everyone who, if you choose to do things, choose not to stop doing things. If you're younger than 70 years old, you'll very likely live to regret the lack of stewardship of taking responsibility for how your behavior affects others in feeling complicit. Yes, it's hard to switch. It's very hard. 
I didn't believe when I gave myself a challenge to go for a week without buying packaged food that I would make it. Turns out I made it two and a half weeks. And then the first thing I bought, I didn't really have to buy. And that told me, oh, and I bought uh, a bag of onions. And I realized I could have bought the loose onions. I didn't need that bag. And then sometime after that, someone came over and I was cooking something and I needed some tomatoes. And I asked someone to go downstairs and buy a can of tomatoes. And I thought, why did I buy a can of tomatoes? Why did I pay for someone to melt aluminum to put in tomatoes that were, don't even taste that good? I could have skipped the tomato. And that's what I said. I could have skipped the tomatoes and not gotten the can. And so I, I, that was the last can I ever got for something like four years ago. And when I told myself, let's try see if I can go for a year without flying, I thought, no way. I thought that's not possible. I thought, you know, as it turns out, I was negotiating to uh, uh, an invitation to go to speak in Italy, like a keynote or something like that. And then I turned that down. Actually, I didn't turn it down. I, I wrote them and I said, will you pay for a boat ride instead of a flight? And they never wrote back. And there was a, a, a speaking gig in Poland that I was looking at. And there were all sorts of things that I couldn't do. And, you know, my uncle, I'll, I'll mention my uncle died in month nine of my year without flying. And my whole family was like, you got to fly to go there. Now that's Pittsburgh. And I arranged, I worked out with my sister. We drove out there together, carpooled. And so if you look at the numbers, there's less pollution between the two of us. Actually, more family time, what people are saying there'd be less of. Now, of course, your particulars are going to be different than my particulars. But what doesn't change is the globe and the world that we live in. Plastic choking the oceans. There's not a whole lot of fish left in the oceans. There's glaciers disappearing and But most of all, what's relevant here is that we know what's happening. The predictions are happening that have been there for decades. And we know what's causing it. And we know that we're doing it. And we know that we're going to live long enough to see more and more and more. The acceleration has happened in the past couple decades of the sea levels rising, the glaciers melting, the ice caps disappearing. Uh, you know the whole routine. I don't have to go through it. You have the opportunity to be the first in your community, in your family, to embrace and live by the values of empathy and compassion and caring for your fellow brothers and sisters and men and women and people in your community and your family members and showing that you care for them more by sometimes not flying to go see them for the ones who are distant I mean, I, have, I barely get to see my nephews from my sister who lives overseas. And I believe that the most love that I can show for them is not to pollute the world that it would take to get to New Zealand. And I see them less. And I love them no less. And I believe that the way I look at it, I, I believe that generations, people who are alive today will curse people I don't know if curse is too big of a word, but too strong of a word. But they will look back at people today and say, how could they lack compassion? How could they lack empathy? How could they lack love for their future? I don't want to get that. I think the greatest love that I can show for future generations is to leave the world as beautiful as I possibly can. Because I've seen the pictures of New Delhi and Beijing and the air and the oceans filled with trash just walking down the street, walking in any 
walking, I, I think I've mentioned on here before, when I took the train back from California and I, there was a 48-hour stint going from L.A. to Houston where the train for hours at a time would have no uh, cell phone connection, no internet connection. It was just off in the middle of the southwestern desert. And occasionally there'd be a whistle stop and the train would stop and there's like no town there. I don't know why, I don't know why it's stopping, but there's some like little one hut or something, one building. And actually the train would stop and everyone would get out and smoke. Uh, but that's not my point here, is that when I would get out there just to stretch my legs, there was Coke bottles and Coke cans on the ground, Marlboro cigarette packs in the middle of like hours from anything. So yeah, you can say, oh, the cities are dirty. It's everywhere. And I've, I've had, look at my podcast guests. I've had all these sailors who have sailed around the world, won the America's Cup and won around the world competitions and, and ask any sailor who's been out to the sea, do you see plastic in the ocean? Yes, the answer is yes. There's no question about it. It's not like sometimes you see it. It's there. I got a friend who lives in Bali. I asked him, what are the oceans are like? What are the beaches like? Is there plastic? And it, what got me was not the answer was yes. I knew that would be the answer. The answer was his tone. It was like, yes, of course. Of course there's plastic in the ocean. Bali is supposed to be one of the most pristine places. And we live in a time, that is the world we live in today. And if you look at plastic on the ocean somewhere and say, well, that's not my plastic. First of all, it might very well be. The plastic on the Henderson Islands, the farthest place from, land, uh, from any cities in the world. And you could say, oh, it comes from the Pacific. Well, it might have come from you. But even if it doesn't come from you, it comes from, your, it comes from a system that we support. And what drives that system more than anything else is the money that goes into it when you buy plastic. When you, instead of buying vegetables and bring your own bag with you, when you buy a ticket, you can say all you want that the flight was going to, you can say, you can say what you want. The plane was going to fly anyway. You're causing a future plane to fly because people are looking at the buying patterns and they buy based on that. And I believe that anyone younger than, certainly younger than 80 today, that we are going, we know what's happening. We know the causes, the predictions are happening. The predictions only accelerate from here on in. And if you're thinking, well, there's nothing we can do, the, 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 it's going to keep happening whether we stop everything right now or not. Actually, there's, there could be a billion climate refugees. There could be two billion climate refugees. That's a billion people difference. There can, there's levels of disaster. There's disaster that we can recover from. There's disaster that could be the end of human culture of any type of civilization. There could be subsistence living of scattered humans around. Or we could, you know, pull this out and live healthily and happily, although with much less material waste and a significantly lower population, which could come from we choose to have fewer children or... Pestilence, disease, famine, wars. If you have one less child, if you have one child, you will not have less love in your life. You will not lack love if you have one child. And certainly not compared to a family with three children because in your lifetime, I mean, starting from pretty soon, maybe now, people are going to look at families with three children as cringeworthy 
people are going to think, what are you doing? In the way that we now would look at if, if a Surgeon General would say, what Surgeon Generals in decades past said, if you smoke, try Chesterfields. Doctors prefer this brand of cigarettes. Today, we don't accept that. There's no way, even in this administration, that a Surgeon General who openly smoked, no one would find that acceptable. And it will happen that two overly large families, people will look at us, what are you thinking? We don't do that anymore. That's not the world we live in. The writing is on the wall. The world of the past is gone. The views of maybe we'll get out of this, it's not there anymore. This is not a climate crisis. If a crisis means there's a problem and then the problem gets resolved and then it goes back to normal, this is not a crisis in that sense. That if you, hopefully some people will change and then eventually we'll get back to this and there'll be solar-powered planes and I can do what I used to do. It's just uh, the engineers will figure it out. That's not the way... That was a dream for a long time. There are no solar-powered planes. There very likely never will be. There is no escape to Mars. Even if we did get to Mars, that doesn't fix this planet. And if we trash this one, we're going to trash that one. There is no escape. Well, all the things that we were thinking about, the innovation, the market-driven solutions, they're all contributing to the problem. There is a way out. And it turns out that the way out, the way out is reduction consuming less, wasting less, enjoying what we have. And that brings joy and discovery and personal growth and liberation and love and compassion and empathy and community. And if you act now, you'll feel great. You'll feel better. Yes, you'll, yes it will be hard. There will be challenges. And no matter what we do, there are going to be growing, thing, growing challenges that, that press the world, that there will be wars over resources even if we all stop today, but they'll be smaller than they would have been otherwise. The predictions have been pretty clear and they're doing, they're, they were pretty accurate. And actually, I'm going to do a whole post on limits to growth and how the, the predictions wildly, it's amazing what they predicted that has happened based on just basic understanding. But if you take a leadership role in your community, with your family, with your loved ones, with your coworkers. This is a climate shift to a new way of living. If we're going to make it out of here with some grace, with civilization intact, with the internet remaining, as opposed to falling apart because we're not keeping things together because of the, 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 the destruction, that, that, what am I saying? The, the catastrophes that will happen with the sea levels rising and the extra and the desertification and all the things you've been reading about, the sooner that we recognize that this is a shift that we will never, ever get back to the way things were 50 years ago. We will never, ever, as human society, I mean, when I say never, ever, for tens of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands, it takes hundreds of thousands of years, I was reading, for a forest to return to what it was once, what it once, the diversity it once had. You can plant the trees, but... And it will creep back, but it takes a long, long time, not human lifetimes, not like if you think of on the scale of the lifetime of the United States or nations, it's not on that level. It's thousands, tens of thousands of years. This isn't something you can kind of sit out and hope other people change and you'll, you'll get back to the way things were. This is something where if we make the change, we can, not, we can avert the absolute worst 
and we can keep things together somewhat. But that change will have to be permanent. We'll always be this way of, of you grew up thinking there's a bucket list. There's a lot of places I want to go. There's a lot of places I want to see. There's a type of lifestyle that I want to live that's not there anymore. The world changed. Our understanding of the world changed. And if we keep grasping the world that it used to be, you've, if you haven't read the predictions, read the predictions. Read the predictions from a while ago that predicted what's happening now. Read the predictions of what could happen. Also read the predictions of what can happen if we pull things out. There's going to be some real horror. There's going to be this stuff that's going to hit the fan. But we can pull out of it. You know, I, I, I don't know if I, I, I... It's hard for me to figure out, should I have said, I think you're going to regret this decision. I, I wish I'd said it a little earlier. I mean, she obviously knows about my not flying for years. And she advises me not to talk about it to people because people want to fly. And people are going to disengage if they hear about not flying. Because they want to. But the hurricanes keep coming. The rainforests are on fire. And the biggest thing of all is that my life is better. And now I've found community. Now that Greta has accepted the invitation to sail across the ocean. And I've connected with people who are also not flying. Climate scientists in particular who are choosing not to fly. The people who know best what's going to happen. Certainly better than I do. They're choosing not to fly. Their jobs depend on it. And they're choosing not to fly. That's the future. The alternative... We're going, now that we know what's happening, we have the chance to avoid feeling regret later. And the alternative is a better life. And what I mean by better, more time with your family, more time with loved ones. I know it might feel like you're going to miss some ones that are farther away. You can have more intimacy, more compassion, more empathy, more connection, more joy, more discovery, more self-empowerment, less feeling I'm, I can't do anything, what I do doesn't matter, more feeling what I do does matter. What I do matters. What you do matters. That's what I'm talking about. That's, what's, that's the potential that we have if we act on what we care about, recognizing the world around us. All of that, if I can wrap that up by saying a better life, it's that. More love, joy, community. That's what this is all about.